Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. My guest today is a second-time guest. It's Danielle Grant, and Danielle was my fourth guest on the podcast many, many months ago now. In fact, we we recorded the first interview back in February of 2021. And as of the time of this recording, this is being done in November 2021, so about 10 months later. And right from the very start of me creating this podcast, I had an idea of bringing on my past guests to be able to talk through what's shifted, what has changed, how is that, have their beliefs changed in that time. You know, I ask a series of questions on practically every interview, not all of them, but practically every interview, I always ask my guests, what is one thing you're most grateful for? What is one thing you're most curious about and looking to explore more about? And then what what is one thing that you're scared of that you know you need to meet with bravery? And those three questions in particular are ones that are really interesting to revisit months later. Because naturally, they extract, where is that current person currently in their thought process? Like, what are they grounded in, in being grateful for? And then, of course, what is the thing that they're wanting to explore? And did they, right? Over the time period between interviews, did they actually do that? Did they explore that curiosity? Or did something hold them back? Did they stop themselves? And then the third one, of course, around bravery of what scares you is usually that thing that the person that when they say it out loud, they know it's the thing that they need to leap into and they know it's something that they need to overcome, usually in their head, usually has nothing to do with the physical world. But what happened? They do it? Did they take the leap? Did they trust in the process that everything would happen for them and not to them? What's the story? And that's really one of the underlying pieces of why I created this podcast is to see that evolution in people. And Danielle, I don't think there's a better guest for me to have as my second uh, show, second time on the show guest than Danielle Grant. So let's go ahead and give it a listen. Hello, Danielle. Welcome to my podcast again. You are my first Hello, repeat Trevor. guest. Yeah. Yay. Thank Yay. you for having me on a second time. I'm excited. I know. Well, the first time that we spoke was, it was now like 10 months ago, right? It was back in February. And then the podcast ended up releasing not until like June or July or whenever I finally released it, right? There's all kinds of stories we can get into, and I'm sure we will as we have this conversation. But um yeah, the vision all along was to constantly revisit these conversations, knowing that um, perspectives change, beliefs change, life changes, some internal, some external, some both at the same time and everything in between. So yeah, I'm super excited to to just do this and actually see that part of the vision through because I know we've talked about it before about how powerful this actually is and you know, there was nobody that I could think of that would be a better second guest for the first time than you because of everything that you've been through <clears throat> over the last 10 months and everything that we've been through even collectively together. And, you know, we didn't even really banter before hitting the switch here because I figured we'll save all the good stuff for when we chat here. So I'm looking forward to this. 
Yeah, I'm excited too. I think for those that haven't listened to my first podcast, definitely you have to go back and listen to it to give to get the fullness out of today's conversation. Absolutely. But I'm excited to be back here and sharing what's happened. And to give everybody just a little bit of context on that, I was looking back on our last interview and it was, of course, titled Let Your Journey to Oneness Begin Here. And then I put on the thumbnail, <laughs> everything is energy. And then I was just looking back on the show notes of like what we talked about. And of course, we went into your story and your background and what brought you to this place. And for anybody that hasn't listened to that, I encourage you to go check it out because it really does talk about Danielle, little Danielle growing up like five doors down from where I currently live and just all of the pieces of of what brought you to that point, right? In February of 2021. And let's pick up from there, actually, because... Maybe give an update of what's gone on in your world, and I'll let you kind of say it in your words. And if there's any pieces that I want you to kind of elaborate on, I'll I'll maybe dig a little deeper. But like, what's gone on since we chatted last time in February in your world? Well, you know, it's kind of been a reflection of everyone else's world. You know, uh, a lot of transformation, a lot of growth. But ultimately, last time you interviewed me, and since we've known each other, I w- owned a company called Your Mindset Mentor, which was primarily helping entrepreneurs move through their mindset and really align with their business intentions as entrepreneurs do. But right after that um, podcast interview, and at that time of that podcast interview, I was actually moving into a new phase in Your Mindset Mentor where I had spent quite a few years building out my products and testing them and seeing what I wanted to do with that business. And I was about to release that. I was about to put somebody into ads. I was about to leverage YouTube. And it was really just the next level of your mindset mentor. But two months after that interview, I got a nice knock from the universe, which Mm -hmm. politely had said, you're actually going the wrong way. Hmm. And I have since actually dissolved your mindset mentor to ascend part of it into a greater purpose and greater mission, which we'll get into today. But essentially, I dissolved the company that I spent three and a half years creating and giving it absolutely everything I had. And I did it at a time where I was making money and things were going great. And I was about to take it to the next level in the entrepreneur world. We call it scaling. But it just didn't feel right. And the universe, like I said, knocked and said, no, you're going the wrong way. And I made a decision to listen. And I think as an entrepreneur, that's a very difficult place to be in. But The work that I'm in and the podcast title that you had kind of is the reason why I I allowed myself to be in that moment and to make that decision. So that's the biggest thing that's happened business-wise, but then on a personal level, I've gone through a physical experience that I, I never, ever thought I would experience, and most people don't experience it. And so there's lots has happened, and I'm excited to dive more into it today. Well, there's an important piece of what you said there that landed for me, at least, which was you know, you made a decision to actually listen to what you were feeling and even hearing and everything, all the senses, you know, but I I think I can relate to that um, mostly right now. And I'm sure we'll talk about this too, but like when you uh, physically were just feeling like rough, right? Like your back was out and you were like, you were down and out like for a good four months, you know, we kept having conversations and we kept a consistency of like, just showing up and talking about things and no real structure to what we were doing, even on the LinkedIn uh, lives that we were doing. But uh, it was definitely a disruption. And I know I can relate to it right now. And in fact, it's one of the reasons I was looking forward to talking to you is because I'm like literally in the middle of what I feel like you were in, in March, you know, 
and realizing that like, okay, I have a decision to make here. And my default is to go back to how I used to be. And therefore it's uncomfortable, right? And the idea of actually choosing a different path, even though it means actually slowing down and reflecting, it's just so foreign to me, right? And I I think I've actually broken through on something just in the, like even the last three, four days since we last talked too. But what was that like for you in that experience? Because naturally, as human beings, we look at the, these things like an event of like physically, you know, maybe you do a labor job and you break your leg. You can't work like you're forced to not work, you know, and you were kind of in that scenario, too, where you couldn't even really sit in front of a computer comfortably long enough to kind of do your work right that you were doing before. What made you ultimately listen to that? feeling that voice, that source, that power, whatever it is, and say, I need to lean into this thing. I think the biggest thing for me on that and to why I decided to lean into that and to give a little bit more context, when we talk about being able to not work, I, for about three weeks, could not get out of bed. I could not actually stand up for any reason other than being in excruciating pain. So I was quite literally on my back for three weeks. And that was kind of the moment where I realized everything I'd come to learn about spirituality and consciousness and ascension and the awakening and just the growth of the human self in the spiritual journey is that there comes a moment where you have to surrender. And I was in that place where I couldn't sit, I couldn't stand, I couldn't function. And the only thing I could literally do in that moment was surrender. And it wasn't the first time I had had an experience that had asked me to surrender. And so I knew that I could trust myself because my previous experiences, and everyone has them, had never put me down a darker rabbit hole. Every time I had to surrender or I had to pick myself up or there was a moment of change or growth or uncomfortableness, on the other side of it has always come something that I wanted. Not to say that it was comfortable in the moment, but it was comfortable on the other side of it. And so I made a decision in that moment to trust everything that I had come to learn in terms of higher consciousness and wisdom and really listen to, literally, I had no choice but to surrender. The the universe quite literally made me stop every possible thing I could do. So what do you do in that moment? It's like, well, you can't do anything. So why am I fighting it? Well, that's interesting because I I wondered, like, do you think you would have had this this awakening to actually create such a pivot in how you were showing up and what you were doing every single day, if not for the forced nature of like, I literally can't do this. So I may as well submit. Have you reflected on that at all? Of course I have. I reference that all the time. I reference all the time. I, I had been trying to do what I do now and the pivot I was making for two years. I had been actively trying to make that pivot. And so when the moment came, I took it. But I think the biggest thing to say in that is I'm not the only one that this has happened to. Every single person has experiences in their life where you get to the very end and it's so uncomfortable and you're forced to shift. That's a natural part of our human experience. So I've been there many times before. I just had to realize, and I did realize, like, you've been here before, Danielle, many times when you were a kid and you were in the psychiatric ward, which is on our first interview, I had to make a decision, right? It's the same thing in that moment. It was like, all of us have been living our lives in these moments where the universe pushes us right to the very end. And the only reason why that happens is because we're not willing to listen to our intuition that's been telling us to go a different way. Mine had been telling me for 
months before that to move into the spiritual room stuff. And I didn't listen. And so when you don't listen, the universe will eventually make you listen. And that's not just me. That's every single person. Yeah. I'm thinking about uh, Joe Dispenza, I think, said once on a podcast, the idea of like how we can choose to evolve, shift, change in a state of pain and anguish. Like you get cancer and now you're forced to stop eating McDonald's or whatever the case is, you know, or you could do it in a state of bliss and that most people default to the pain causing the reaction of like the massive shift. Right. So I just wanted to bring that up just in case anybody's thinking from that perspective, even too, like, do I have to wait for something catastrophic to happen in my life to actually create really deep, profound change? That thought, I love Joe Dispenza for that thought, but to anyone listening, that thought can only, someone who is awakened to higher wisdom can only actually stand in that understanding of, it doesn't always need to be negative, it can be positive, because without that awareness, you don't understand that you can create from that place. So I'm glad that you said that, because it's not always um, negative, but that blissful state that you can navigate those experiences from are only available to people that are awake and have awareness. Mm-hmm. But something else that you said in that, I didn't just in that three week time period, wake up and decide to change. It took me being laid out, slowing down, listening and another four months and another month once I was kind of well to actually fully exit and dissolve that company. It didn't just happen overnight. It was a months long period of me finally getting to a place of, okay, you have to let all of this go. Every single part of it. Where do you think the hesitation was for you? Yeah, the hesitation, I know right away where it came from. The hesitation was a belief that if I didn't see your mindset mentor come to its full fruition, that people on the outside who had been following me since day one tell me that I failed. And in fact, I came across an experience recently of people asking me, why did you let go of that company? It was being successful. Like, why all of a sudden did you do that? And what was interesting for me was traditionally, that was my biggest fear. That was the thing that held me was what if people question it? What if people ask me? And it was in that moment, I was so neutral and I was so confident in my answer that I I knew that I had moved beyond that limitation, but that was the first limitation I was afraid of. And the universe allowed me an experience to see it again, just to show me how far I had moved. And the universe always does that. If you're not as evolved in that experience as you should be, the universe will continue to show you how you're not. But it will also, just like the conversation of the bliss and Dr. Joe Dispenza, it will also give you an experience that shows you that you have moved beyond it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such an interesting conversation. And we're going to end up going down a few rabbit holes here, but all on purpose. And I know for me, like just in the last week since we last talked, where this has come up for me is that, you know, to give everybody the crash course here, like October 1st, I decided to walk away or at least express to the rest of my team that like, hey, I I no longer want to be involved at an executive level, don't want to be doing internal meetings. I know that I have a destiny for creating. And I don't even know what that looks like yet, but I kind of do because I've been doing it for a decade and, and I just need to lean into that, you know? So we created a plan that allowed me to exit out of it. And then, you know, we're about six weeks after that now. And I found over those six weeks is that I sat in the uncomfortableness of like having a quarter of the amount of like work on my calendar. So three quarters of my time freed up 
And just saying to myself, slow down, allow the space and the time to actually see and and feel what it is your next step should be. And then I naturally felt this desire to want to go fill it up because I know that I can. And because I know I can, I can, for lack of a better term, kind of like force my way into making money. Like I, I, it's easy for me now. Like I know I can create money. I, I know it. So I did, I started to like fill the gaps and do all these things. And before I knew it, I was like, Oh, what am I doing here? Like, I'm just, I'm replacing one thing with the other. And it's the exact same thing because it's comfortable, you know? And you know, most notably about this is like, I actually uh, chose to enroll into a leadership program that was going to be like a six month thing. And it was going to be fairly intense and time consuming and whatnot. And I didn't tell you this, but I went to one call and it has no reflection on the people that were in there. It had nothing to do with them. But I I literally spent 20 minutes in the first call and I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. I, I don't need to be here right now. And it wasn't from a place of like, oh, I've done this work already. It was more like, you need to slow down and do nothing. And then the anxiety picks up again. It's like, well, what are you trying to tell yourself, Trevor? Like, slow down? What the hell is that going to get me ahead? So I've just been exploring all of this to, like, try and help myself understand, like, what does it truly mean to slow down and be more reflective and do more meditation and spend more quality time with my kids and just all of the above, you know? And and I'm still in it. I'm not going to lie. But I made a choice to bounce from that program um, immediately after. <laughs> And it was like, yeah, it was like six different trigger points that actually led to it. But I'm trusting in the fact that this is actually the path forward. And then it's unlocked a whole bunch of other things and we'll we'll get into it. But for anybody else that maybe hears the word spirituality and maybe has a connotation attached to it or a thought attached to it that isn't like the mainstream of, do you know where I'm going with this? Like spirituality. Oh yeah. Like sure. You know, the, the woo woo stuff, right? What would you say to them as it relates to um, how they can let this in and actually become more consciously aware of who they are and what they're here to do and be? I think my answer to that is kind of in alignment to what spirituality is, which is the understanding of deeper wisdom. And spirituality in the society has become a term that's very loose and also associated with religion, which is why people have a lot of stigma around it. But if for someone who's wanting to explore more of it and understand how it helps you, you want to look into what spirituality means because spiritual spirituality doesn't just mean one thing. It means having an intuitive self. It means being of conscious energy. It means having a subconscious. It means having an aura. So to anyone who's new, become curious about the word, not what the meaning is, but about what the word represents. And through that, you will find yourself I don't like to use the term rabbit hole, but you'll find yourself on a journey of curiosity, which will expand your understanding of what society has termed that word to be. Yeah, and I know I've expressed this to you before too, that as I've gone and started to be curious and explore too, there's been moments of overwhelm for me of wanting to try and find answers that don't have definitive, you know, like here's the answer. It's kind of like science, right? Like everybody especially in today's society says like, trust the science. And I think to myself, 
what is science exactly? So naturally I go Google it and it's like science is like the exploration of something to be able to come to a hypothesis and or a determination of something based on data set, right? But the whole like defining foundation of science is that it constantly evolves. There's never certainty or absolute in it. And then therefore my brain can't attach to it as like truth. And then I find myself filled with anxiety about it. You know what I mean? And I think the same way in the context of exploring this journey myself too, this spiritual awakening, this spiritual journey. Um, And I'm getting more comfortable with it, but I'm just saying it out loud because I'm sure maybe other people can relate to that too. I'm sure you've maybe even faced that on your own journey too. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I think I've always been naturally drawn to spirituality, but I, you know, more so in terms of religion and my belief system was more Christian based when I was in my younger twenties and that in itself can kind of stifle people to learn beyond it. But I just want to highlight one of the things you said, you said, one of the things you're seeking is freedom and, and that whatever that looks like for you. And, And then you also talk about this idea of overwhelm you're not seeking either of those things. What you're actually seeking is a shift in your vibration, a vibration that feels more balanced with less things that are effort-driven versus time-freedom-driven. You're not wanting to be in an overwhelmed frequency versus a very um, certain and trusting frequency. So we're never wanting to seek these time-freedom things or these human things. We're wanting to seek a shift in our frequency, which is how we feel and what we vibrate at. And I bring that up because if you were to look into spirituality, you would understand that that's a great part of it. And that's why it's so important to expand our thinking beyond that. And yes, in the regard of what I was like, I wasn't expanding my mind until I years ago when I started to look beyond just what the word spirituality within religion meant. And that's what opened me up to understanding much more than what we are. The word that comes to mind is like bliss or joy, you know, it's because yeah, it's a frequency. Yeah. Yeah. And because the, the thing that immediately comes up for me is like, I don't think the thing that I'm running from or trying to escape right now is like being busy or working for even that matter. You know, like I just know that when I'm doing something where I'm like blissful, like I could do it all day, all night and not sleep, you know, like it's just literally something that just lights me up. And that's the thing that I'm using as the North star right now to actually make decisions. I'm like, do I like this or do I love this or do I fucking love this? And, I, and I'm defaulting to the latter, you know? One of the things you're highlighting there too, about you wanted to do what you fucking love to do is that you're looking for that frequency, that frequency of feeling like you're doing what you're here to do. Right. And it goes kind of into what you were saying earlier about um, bliss and joy. If you look into any context or wisdom around Buddhism or meditation or enlightenment or consciousness, all of them reference that it's peace and joy are the two truest vibrations to us as spiritual beings having human experiences, which is why we're always seeking these vibrations and frequency of peace and joy, which is kind of exactly what you're talking about. Doing what you fucking love to do is something really joyful to you. Yeah, it is. And I think what I'm having to let go of, you know, like a belief that I'm having to let go of is that, you know, who am I letting down by not picking up some of these things that may be thrown at me? Because like I say, like there is an abundance of opportunities thrown at me every single day. And this has come from me honing my craft and getting really good at something and other people seeing that like, hey, maybe you can serve and help us get to our vision, you know? 
So there's a part of this in my, at least my own headspace where I'm, I'm having to tell myself, this isn't selfish. This isn't self-righteous. I think I mentioned that to you in our last call too. And you actually had a really interesting take on like, wait a sec. No, no, no. Stop saying that word. Like this is not a self-righteous conversation. You know, you maybe want to allude to that because that's real and alive for me right now where I'm just thinking like, oh, who am I letting down by saying no to all of these things? It's a part of the story. Yeah. And I mean, for starters, the word righteousness is very distorted in our society. So when we talk about vibration and frequency and everything being energy, we have to look at the word righteousness and what we've associated as as a society to it, meaning like very self-serving and all of this, but that's not what it, it actually is. And if you look down beyond the human journey and you look into the spiritual journey, you realize you're only here for you. I came here for me. You came here for you. When you leave earth, It's just you that leaves. And so when we talk about this idea of righteousness or selfish, it's not. It's literally you just doing your mission that you're here to do, and the ego wants to attach words to it. And that's why you're in that feeling, though, because you're actually moving away from the egotistical energy, the third-dimensional energy, which is all of those things that are the previous work. Yes, you've worked your whole you know, career, so to say, as an entrepreneur to hone your craft, and now these opportunities are coming towards you. But that version of you was an unevolved, unrealized aspect of Trevor, who is now evolved and realized. And those kinds of things will forever match your 3D energy and frequency. But the reason why you are feeling this pull to move away from them, like that's righteous or that's feeling selfish, is because that's how the ego is. That's the behaviors of the ego. But as soon as you move away from that, you realize that's what allowed you to actually make the move was the desire to be selfish, not righteous, but selfish for yourself and what you're here to experience. Yeah, it's uh, the word that comes to mind is identity, right? Is this label that we put on ourselves or even society puts on you of like, you are this, you are really good at that. And therefore that's what defines you, you know? And for me, when I sat with this and wrote down like, who am I? Like, who am I to the outside world? Or what do I believe? Or who do I believe I am? It was like, well, you're a sales guy, right? Because I've just been in sales for 20 plus years, you know, even longer than that, actually. And you are a marketer, you are a digital marketer, you and this has evolved over time, right? But what I've really grounded myself in, in the last couple of weeks is just the word creative. And I've actually introduced myself like that recently, too. People say like, so who are you? What do you do? And I say, uh, I'm a creative. I create things. I create I create things out of nothing that some people can't see. I make them happen, right? And that takes the shape of selling something or enrolling somebody into something or taking a an idea and turning it into something that inspires people. And it's really landed for me lately. And then naturally, I'm fighting this old 3D version of myself, though, that says like, no, 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 you're a sales guy and sales guys read these books and they do these things and this is your daily action plan. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's almost like I'm resisting it, but that and that's the thing that I'm, I don't even want to say fighting, but it's the thing that I'm uh, working through right now, right? This, This is my reason for slowing down and almost allowing that... I'm a creative to really get into my being and for me to believe it, truly, truly believe it, and then be it without questioning it. 
I think one of the things that's really helped me, I don't think I know one of the things that's really helped me with the identity is understanding that identity doesn't go away for as long as you're bound to a human body. And understanding that allows you to get more creative to redefine that identity. Because the person when I was 14 years old, having that experience of being in the psychiatric ward and waking up to my highest self was me shifting away from an identity of this little version of me that was really dark and really lost and really unloved. And so I started to recreate my identity in my teens, moving into my early 20s. And then as I shifted from there, I shifted from the girl who dropped out of university to go have a corporate career and make something of herself. I had to shift my identity then. So when we talk about this idea of identity, it's a game. And when you play it like a game, it's like, well, right now I get to shift into a new identity now. And how do I do that for myself? One of the things I really like to do is write and put pen to paper. And if you listen to my previous episode, you'll hear me talk about that. But a really healthy exercise is Danielle, the deliberate creator, is someone who inspires people. Danielle, the deliberate creator, is someone who is constantly getting up every day and feels inspired to create some piece of content. Danielle, the deliberate creator. So all I'm doing is getting very clear that I'm a creator of my own life while I have to live in this human body of an identity. Because we can't, sure, you can escape the identity and at the The wholeness of enlightenment is detachment from everything. But as we've evolved in consciousness, the understanding of enlightenment has shifted and evolved, which is something I'm really excited about. But really understanding that you are really bound to this identity part, and it's not a negative thing. And a lot of, especially in our industry as entrepreneurs, it's like, well, that's my identity. It's like, you have so many identities you're supposed to grow into, which is your purpose. And your purpose is always evolving and transforming. So when you play it like a game, it doesn't make it be so concrete and so 3D. It's more, how do I play in this new level that I'm in? And how do I recreate the identity for this deliberate creator of this reality right now? I don't think enough people do that. Mm. Not enough people play the game of changing their identity. Yeah, no, it's it's a that's very well put. And um I know we talked about this, but I interviewed a good friend of mine, his name's Jeremy Lang, who uh started a company called Pila, and he spoke about the origin story of him being like a young boy and just coming over this hill and seeing all the these piles of flax straw on fire and his dad telling him why and all that. It's this really strong, fibrous material. And all the way up through like his son digging in the dirt in Hawaii and finding little pieces of plastic. And then he created this company that basically was had a mission of like replacing plastic products. And now they've launched a product that um, called the Lomi that sits on your countertop. And uh, God, I always forget the terminology for this. What is it like when you put your food scraps and stuff in? What's the name of that again? Put your food scraps in Recycling? a bin. No, no, like when you put your food scraps in a bin and there you go, compost. Yeah, so it's like an accelerated composter that sits on your counter and it actually within like five hours creates dirt that's nutrient rich that has no smell to it. And when I first saw this, I was like, that's insane. Like, I didn't even think that that was humanly possible and they're creating this. He started it and now he is is identified amongst their leadership team as the heart. He's the heart, you know? They have the brain, they have the muscle too. And these guys collectively like have built this company. And yet Jeremy has these internal conversations, this identity that says, well, I'm the heart, but now I'm no longer involved in the day to days. So therefore I've lost all my worth, you know? 
That's how he sees it. And then I see him and I'm like, oh, dude, like you don't even see what you have in the journey that you've been through. Like you have the ability to literally take that into any other situation and constantly elevate other people around you too, from nothing to unlimited possibilities, right? But I guess my point is here is that this is happening. This awakening that's happening right now, I feel like is really accelerating through what society sees as high achievers because high achievers financially, people that have created something of impact, they're constantly wanting to keep leveling up, right? At least that's how I'm feeling. And I know you and I have talked about this lots of like, let's bring more of those people into our world. And I've actually even resisted in the last couple of months of like, well, who am I to bring those people together? But I'm really starting to align with the fact that like, this is so needed. Like those people are out there and they need this space to be around other people that vibrate at that same frequency. There's no other way to explain it other than that is just being around that vibration, you know? And it feels good. It feels, and, and I don't think you and I could have even had this conversation two months ago. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Guaranteed not. Well, let's just keep it in perspective. At the beginning of you and I meeting, you did think what I wanted to talk about was woo-woo because you weren't 100%. quite awakened to it, Yeah. right? So this is like a true reflection of Trevor's evolution of a person. You brought me on as the mindset mentor in a 3D capacity, and I was trying to expand that understanding, and you thought I was woo-woo. Not like projecting that on you. I'm just saying like, that's the reality of it. But now people are starting to have these experiences where they're in different conversations. They're, they're getting rid of things that don't serve them. They're, some relationships aren't working and it's because people are turning on. And so anyone listening to this, that maybe is new to this information, like it's totally normal. I was there two years ago, right? So, so normal. So just in context of us not being able to have this conversation two months ago, three years ago, we couldn't have this. I was trying to have this conversation, but you weren't ready. And that also just talks about people having to be ready. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, if I can only relate this to my own personal feelings of this. And I'm glad that you're here to kind of translate this because it kind of speaks to like what you've stepped into is to be able to identify it, put words to it and have somebody go, Oh yeah, me too. But it's just a feeling now. Like I know, like I'm so consciously aware now when I'm, when I'm working with clients, for example, and we're talking through the practicality of like how, how they can actually get their message and their story and their voice heard and be heard and be seen and all these like deep down human things that we need because we're all wounded children inside, you know, we need that acknowledgement and that there is a path and it makes total sense. I'm seeing so much resistance to it. People just saying like, like overthinking, guess second guessing themselves, not wanting to put that out into the world for the fear of either hearing no or having people judge them. And I'm seeing it now and I'm just very conscious of it, of like, you're not ready. You're not ready. And I can't spend time with people that aren't ready right now, you know? And that's part of the no for me is that I've long thought that I could like drag people up the hill with me. And now it's landed for me of like, no, I have to actually go and be this so that I attract those people to me. And and it's not to say those people in particular, that there's anything wrong with them or they're broken or whatever. It's just in order for me to get them to come to the same elevated state that I'm at, they have to see me being it relentlessly and unwaveringly. Is that a word? 
I think so. Unwaver- yeah. <laughs> unwavering. And that was a major shift for me, though, too, because I thought with experience of coaching and how to actually get people to see things from a different perspective and believe a different belief that you could actually, I don't want to say manipulate, but almost like strategically guide somebody down a journey of that and never thought that it was actually like how I showed up. But it's shifted for me recently. It's like, I know that if I say no to certain things or I create boundaries on things and say that doesn't fill my soul and I'm not going to do it, that people that hear that and see it, some of them are going to go, oh, that's not what I want. And others are going to go, oh my God, thank God I found you. And I have other people around me that think and feel the same way. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of want to bring this up because something you and I have been talking about over the last little while is this disease that we see in the entrepreneurial spaces. We're both entrepreneurs and we both coach entrepreneurs and worked in that space. It's so important who we surround ourselves with because I am not any better than anyone. I'm just on my own personal journey and my own personal journey has offered me whatever it's offered me. But one of the greatest things for our our working relationship between the two of us is you've seen someone go through things and make decisions and get rid of things that weren't aligned and to shut things down that weren't like who shuts down a a successful company all of a sudden, what wasn't in alignment, but you are doing similar things in your life because you're seeing someone do it. And I bring up this disease in the entrepreneur space because so many people are following people, but are they the people that are expanding the way that you want to? Are they the people that are challenging themselves like the way that you want to, or are they these people that have achieved a certain level of success and aren't really growing that much anymore. And they're just trying to sell you a product, but who we surround ourselves with is, is the determining factor to our expansion. Because again, going back to understanding spirituality, it's frequency and vibration at the root of it is what you will find out. And that's really why it matters who we hang out with. And so a lot of your growth over the last little while has come from seeing someone else being willing to do it regardless of what the outcome. Did I feel comfortable making that decision? Fuck no. Was I scared shitless and struggled day in and day out? Yeah, I was losing sleep. I was waking up in hot sweats. <laughs> like, shit yeah. was crazy, literally, for yeah. the last like yeah, three yeah, months. Yeah. Shit's been crazy. And here I am, putting on this strong face that like I let go of a successful company and I'm, I'm balls to the walls getting this other company and I'm scared shitless. Is it going to work? What are people going to think? Like, all this is still going on. But all I know is that every day I'm just here to expand. Every day I'm here to walk a little bit closer. Every day is going to be something different. One day it's going to be really great. One day it's going to be full of lessons, but I'm willing to just expand every day. And I just, I commend you so much because you're willing to be like, oh, well, she's doing something. Why don't I just try it? Oh, it feels uncomfortable, but she's kind of doing it. So let me just keep going that way. But that's the benefit in having a community and having someone that's helping you expand. Cause that's ultimately what you're seeking when you're hiring all those other coaches and investing in all those other programs is expansion of your business or self or abundance. Yeah, absolutely. And I I know I pinged you just the other day because I had something hit me where I was like, I'm a creator and part of creation is actually documenting a journey and and then putting it out into the world. And this is something that I know that I'm destined to do and I'm going to do it, you know, and whether we call it an entrepreneurial disease or an epidemic or whatever, there's a lot of ways to translate that into, into a way that will really land for people. And there's so many tied in pieces and stories to this from COVID to the, uh, to politics and all of the surfacey things that we see that we, where we see like fear and anger and just all this accelerated noise. Right. 
but just to ground people, and I haven't mentioned this to you, but like, um, I had a great chat with Nick Cavuto the other day, who is also somebody I've had in my podcast. And he told me a few stats. Like there's, he said, there's a million people a month that are, are quitting their jobs in the United States right now. So I was like, is that true? So I went and Googled it. I was like, oh my God, it's actually 4 million people. For the last six months, there's been 4 million people a month retire or like quitting their jobs and either, you know, naturally just bouncing, defaulting into the next job, looking for the next best thing. Grass is greener, right? Like there's a lot of people that are just going to kind of like flop into the next thing, but they're doing it on purpose because the companies that are going to enable them to uh, work from home is is an obvious one, right? But I think a lot of it comes back to the fact that like when people were able to spend time at home, they were able to sit sometimes uncomfortably and go, what do I want? Like, what, what do I really, and why am I here? And what's feeding my soul? And where I think this is relevant to like what the paths you and I have been down is that because we are entrepreneurs and we've been entrepreneurs for a long time, we've been around them. There's a whole bunch of those people that are going to go, I'm just going to be my own boss. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And for those people, there is an eye-opening awakening that's needed to not scare them out of doing it, but to rather say like, cool, here's the truth, right? And there's a lot of pieces to that as far as like, who do you trust? Well, nobody has every answer. First of all, I'd say that, you know, like there's no guru out there that you can follow. You need to carve your own path, right? But the thought of like how much fear, I see it in my clients all the time. The ones I currently work with, there's so much rooted fear that has nothing to do with reality of what's present right now. It has everything to do with what they're holding on to from their past. And nobody talks about this stuff. Or if they do, it's not being talked about enough. And without that being in the space, there's going to be a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of, a lot of failure, you know? And there's a lot of good things that can come out of that too. Don't get me wrong. But um, I feel a calling to um, tell that story. And it's people like you that I've been, that I've had in my world that have helped me see things differently. Or like just a conversation like we had last week where you're like, do you see the pattern of what you're doing here? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Right? Like you're just pointing out the obvious that I just can't see because I'm, open to it, I'm able to take it in without feeling hurt or wrong, but rather to just go, what truth is there to that? What, what am I not seeing here? And then make quicker pivots, you know? So yeah, I'm excited about it too. Like, I think we have, um, we have a bigger purpose in what we're doing here and what you've started here now and continue to show up and just do every single day in your way of being with the spiritual room. And I'd love you for you to talk about it now is a part of that. It's actually the new entrepreneurial Bible of how to be forget about the tactics of building a business. That's the easy shit. People don't get that. That's actually the easy part. (laughs) The being is the part that people need to really lean into. Well, I even think about that. I don't know three years ago that I could have seen the spiritual room, which is my new company and and that I collaborate with. I thought I was all in on your mindset mentor, but when I started to realize that that wasn't, and 
I had was running into resistance in your mindset mentor. Not that it wasn't working, but I was going the wrong way. I was coaching on things that other people wanted me to coach on because no one believed in what I was doing. And so I went that way and then I went the other way. But that journey, I just thought about this this week, every single, let me actually rephrase that. I started a Pinterest account under your mindset mentor three and a half years ago, and I had never really touched it since. I just let it do its thing. And out of all of the boards that I had on there, I only had three that were spiritual based and one that was called spirituality. And it had kind of everything that I knew about spirituality under that one board. Recently, I went to create the new Pinterest board for the spiritual room, and I went from three spiritual boards to 35, all in the context (laughs) of spirituality. And I just said to my partner this morning, for the last three and a half years, I knew that I wasn't building the be all end all business about two years ago. But what I didn't realize was that three and a half years of me trying to build that business and succeeding and moving through fear and not listening to the naysayers and moving through doubt and changing beliefs and having chakra upgrades and healing crises and the whole thing was actually me getting ready for this business today, which is now ready for the world of this great awakening, which started two years ago at the beginning of COVID. But leading up to that, your mindset mentor journey allowed me to personally go through more experiences of the spiritual stuff I wanted to teach on now today, but I would never have been able to have that that awareness or that wisdom if I didn't have that experience I just had. And I'm sharing that because one, if you're a new entrepreneur, yes, you have to go through that uncomfortable thing. If like it was the most challenging and growth experience I've ever had, and I've had a few. But also beyond that, when you asked me at the beginning, how did I know and so certain to surrender to what I was experiencing and make the decision to dissolve your mindset mentor? I realized it was just a stepping stone in my evolution of a spiritual being, and I can't take my business with me when I go. But in hindsight, every single thing that happened for me, and you'll see the same in your journey, led you to where you are today, to now what you want to create, because your awareness is different because of the experience that you had. And that, for me, is so much more powerful than, than like the fear at the beginning of being an entrepreneur. Like, yeah, sure, I was afraid of all that, but the actual spiritual experience I just had is like profound. And now I get to teach on it in a much more expansive way, which is like the coolest thing ever. So when we talk about the spiritual room and entrepreneurs and needing to pivot and and belief and stuff, it's like, this has been four years. In fact, my whole life of me leading up to finally being ready for this and the world finally being ready for it. So we just never know when the timing is. We never know what the experience is, but always when we look back, the experience was exactly how it needed to happen. Mm. Yeah. And I think on the last point that you just made there too, like I'm trying to think of the right way to say this because I feel like it's choice again though, too, right? Like you have a choice on whether or not you listen to that, that calling, right? You could very easily hear that same thing or that have that feeling of what you've gone through in the four years and like the reflecting on it and everything and still choose a different path. You could still choose a, and I don't want to say a safer path because it's quite frankly not. Like that's that's the language I used to use two weeks ago. <laughs> Let's be clear. This wasn't like 10 years ago, but like two weeks ago, it was like, yeah, well, you're going to either choose like this path that says like, there's a whole bunch of money over here if you just stay down here, or you can go down this spiritual room journey and let's see what happens. And instead it's like a, and and both, you know, it's like, and you choose this path that's actually easy and feels just 
like it's meant to be, like it's what you're supposed to be doing. And there's financial abundance that comes with it because it does get to be both, you know? So sometimes I think, I think about my own journey too. And I think of moments where, like now, where I've slowed down and I actually have the opportunity to choose. And in the last month, I've chosen things to like fill the void of the silence and the, and the slowness with things that I know that I can do in my sleep, like metaphorically, right? Like it's just, it's easy, right? To take on a couple clients, go do another transformational program. Yeah. Like do, 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 do. Instead of just like slowing down, just being, feeling what this feels like, having this thought that like, hey, you should create a documentary. And then, feeling like this massive high of like, I should create a documentary and then going to sleep and waking up the next day and going, what the fuck were you thinking? You can't make a documentary. You don't even know. Where do you go to raise money for that? Like, who's going to tell the story? Are you going to be the star? Who are you to be the star? Are you going to interview other people? What if they say no to you? Like, this is what's going through my head. And instead of reacting and going, you're right, go do this. How about I create a safety valve over here of, well, if that doesn't work, then maybe I do this. And I'm just sitting in it now. Because I know that it's the right thing, but I also know I need to go through these feelings before I really pull the trigger on it too. Because if I don't, then I'm just going to kind of fumble my way through it. I'm allowing myself to go slow in order to actually see that vision through. Even though the vision right now is still a little fuzzy, I just know it. I just know it. I just know what it is, but I can't explain it yet. And that's going to be the part that will come to me, I feel. Yeah. And who says it's slow? Like time is not real. We're only bound by time (laughs) and our 3D reality. Oh no, I say that though, because, you know, I came from working with a lot of successful entrepreneurs. I primarily worked with high achievers in mindset, helping them move through that last little bit that they couldn't get through. And it was amazing to me how many of them had other business ideas or other things that they wanted to do, but they were afraid of it taking too long or being too slow of a a reward for them. And it's like, well, who defines that? Well, you define that, right? But once you understand that, then it's like, wait a minute here. And I share that because it's like, that might be too slow. Well, we talk about the spiritual room in my pivot. For two years, I created content for a business that did not exist and nobody knew about it except for very few people. And I'd been trying to step into that place for two years. And then when I was finally ready to do it, it was like, execute because I had quietly been building this simultaneously to your mindset mentor because my fear and my doubt was greater than anything. And so I just thought, well, I'll just create this thing on the side. I never once thought this is going too slow. I always only thought it will come to fruition when the time is right. Two years feels like a slow time period to build out a business or to finally realize an idea or finally make a shift in your life. But what's two years? Like, it's nothing. Like, that's not slow. I created a business in three months now. I've literally taken a business from zero and created all the assets, all the content, everything in three months. So what what are we really associating as being slow? And why are we choosing to look at it as slow? Uh, What comes to mind for me, because I was just thinking about my own journey even too, is that term that says like we underestimate what we can do in a decade and overestimate what we can do in a week or whatever the phrase is exactly, right? But You actually said to me a few weeks ago, you know, write down, and I'm actually looking at it right now, the ways I've been and the ways I get to be, what needs to die? What needs to die in my story of like who I say that I am, you know? And the thing that came up in the last couple of weeks, and again, it's, there's multiple, um, 
points of reference for all of this. It's never one thing, right? But like I interviewed our mutual buddy, David Muntner recently, and he had a quote where he talked about like seekers. He's like, I love seekers. They're amazing. They're like constantly innovating, shifting, shape forming, you know, they're open to possibilities, but he says, but seekers are also their one um, Achilles heel, I guess you is. And how he referenced it is that they're constantly seeking. They're never satisfied with being in the moments of what they uh, have achieved. Right. And it landed for me where there was first a bit of a guilt where I was like, oh shit, I'm a seeker. Like I'm always looking to the next thing. I'm constantly reinventing. And then I had to look at it from a different lens though and say, no, wait a second though. How does, how does being a seeker actually serve me? And then what thing am I aware of now that I just get to be a little more consciously aware of? And it was so obvious to me. It was just like, just enjoy the seeking moments. Like, don't stop being a seeker. Like, this is actually what makes up my DNA is that I am constantly seeking and I'm always looking for constant elevation. And I want, I crave the uncomfortableness of the next level. But I think I've been guilty myself of not actually appreciating or acknowledging the like, oh, this is what got you to here. Now, what needs to die to get to the next phase? And that's the question I'm asking myself now, right? What gets to die? What story do I get to release? Not have somebody else tell me that you can release that now. You are no longer X. It's like, I get to say that. Well, and you stop being a seeker when you, when you come up against an answer or truth that you don't want to believe. You're like, I don't want to seek that thing down there anymore because that doesn't align with my ego or where I'm currently at in my experience. So I don't want to seek that anymore. I'm going to go over to this thing now. No, stop. Look at it. See why you don't look, why you aren't resonating. See why there is resistance because it's just a shift in perspective, right? But one of the things you just said was it's uncomfortable, this work isn't comfortable, and a lot of people have a misconception about spiritual work and enlightenment, and um, it's very uncomfortable. It's the most uncomfortable work you will go through, not just internally and mentally, but physically. I mean, if we go back to my my injury I experienced this summer, my whole entire right side of my back, for unknown reasons, completely shut down. And that is a physical pain. But on a higher level, I had a massive chakra upgrade and my crystalline light body came on, which means my physical body couldn't hold that amount of frequency and energy. So my physical body shut down. That's an experience everyone is going to go through in their spiritual awakening and ascension. Maybe not to that nth degree, but they will go through some, some uncomfortableness. And I think it's important for people to realize this isn't about comfort. This is about being extremely uncomfortable because that is what shifts it. And when you look at Buddhism, which a lot of people, again, is not a religion, they will make them go back in their meditations if they have a thought come up and continue to sit in that day and day until their mind is completely silent with sitting with their legs crossed, nothing underneath their butt, and they have to keep going until that detachment of that thought. And it's not pain. But it's the shifting of it, and it doesn't happen overnight. They could be there for three hours, and then a thought arises, and they don't clear it again for a couple hours. That's uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but they are shifting that frequency. And so anyone who thinks this is easy or like uh, butterflies and sunshine, it's not. And if if you think it to be that, you're not going down the right journey. It's about being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that lens, if you look at it from the perspective of it, it can be uncomfortable, but it doesn't need to be painful, I guess. Is that the right terminology on that? Like, do you know, do you know what I mean by that? Like it's 
pain is emotion. Pain can only be created if we attach an emotion to it. Otherwise, pain doesn't exist. So if we attach an emotion to sitting uncomfortable on the ground on a hardwood floor with our legs crossed, it's not pain that we're experiencing. It's the emotion in which we've attached to the pain. There is no pain. It's the emotion attached. So again, it goes down to what your emotions are. What is? What are you holding on to? What past stories? What are you listening to in your subconscious mind? I listened to an interview recently. I'm not sure if I... Oh, I sent it to you, I think, inside of our, our signal group that we created, right? The, it was Aubrey Marcus interviewing Charles Eisenstein, who I've yet to actually explore exactly who he is and his background and all that kind of stuff. But he talked about this. Um, and in fact, it was a, a clip from the video where I felt like he stopped and like looked at me in the video. It was really eerie almost. Or I was like, whoa, is he talking to me? But he talked about this idea that, you know, him personally and other people that can relate to this just can't slow down, right? And it's kind of alluding to what you're just saying, you know? And he said, you know, like sometimes the only time I can truly like shut off is when I'm so exhausted and I just have to sit in front of a Netflix show, right? And I was like, oh my God, that's me. Like the only times I can think of on a monthly basis when I truly get into that state is on a Saturday night when I'm just like beyond and I'm just like, oh, I'm done, just done, you know? And then Aubrey actually jumped in and he's like, yeah. And then you get sick. And I was like, oh God, and I've been sick recently too. Like you just push yourself almost to that point of exhaustion and then you get sick. And then again, though, that's that, that, um, emotion that you're tying to it, right? It's like, well, is the sickness painful or is it the emotional attachment that I have to the idea of being sick? Because sick actually means that you're cleansing something that you're going to come out on the other side with a whole new perspective, a feeling, a vibration or whatever, right? Just changing that thought process too is, you know, it sucks being sick, but it actually makes me go, oh, I'm sick. Something's going on right now. Oh, this fucking sucks. But oh, this is like, you know, it feels different when you actually look at it that way. And it's the same thing with anything, you know, it's no different than my buddy, Jeremy building this company that has this grand mission and vision and successfully financially. And he's the heart. And now all of a sudden he feels unwanted again. It's like, you're just being reborn man into the next level of what you're supposed to be doing on this earth, you know, and that perspective, you can get to it on your own, of course, but like you, you surround yourself with other people that have either been through it or are on that journey and it just accelerates things. It's like you find your tribe. There's no other way to describe yeah. it. One of the things I find fascinating about that interview from that Aubrey Marcus did and this idea of the only time I can turn off is in front of the TV. A story I used to tell myself was I could only turn off if I smoked a joint because my mind was so moving and creative all the time that when I smoked a joint, it kind of allowed myself to consciously go to a different place. But that was a lie I was telling myself because when we talk about this idea of feeling like I'm going and going and going and the only time I can shut off is when I'm like mind numbing and my mind's focused on something else. It's because we're not leveraging the tool of meditation. Because when we're in meditation, we're naturally psyching, cycling through those experiences that our ego is holding on to that's keeping us feeling like we're pushing so much, pushing so much, and we're just exhausted. It's the unconscious and subconscious things that are going on. And when I was living in that belief and that story that that's what was turning me off, my meditation practice wasn't as strong. Not that I wasn't doing it. It's that I could have exercised more meditation in my day. And the minute I do make that switch to, to 
meditate more, I don't feel that need to go smoke more, right? But it's that Mm. what is happening Mm -hmm. on. And meditation is just another tool. But in the true form of meditation, it's allowing you to clear yourself and not feel like the only time I can turn my mind off is if I'm sitting watching a Netflix show. The only time you can turn your mind off, you should be have full capability of that. That should be a behavior you can do. Mm -hmm. But that is only... That is only available to us if we practice something like meditation, which is actually becoming one with our thoughts, where the other way you're trying to push and pull away from them, right? Much different frequency and vibration. Yeah. And uh, anybody that's listening to that, that maybe is thought the way that I have, because I feel like I've kind of broken through on some recently. Think about a time when you're in a flow state and you know what I mean by flow. It's that Theta state almost like for me, I I told you like about a month ago, I woke up at three in the morning, the kids weren't sleeping and I woke up at three in the morning and then I thought, should I get on my computer? No, going to fight the, fight the urge there. Should I just sit and be and look out the window? So I did that for a while. I was like, well, this is kind of boring. And then, and then I listened to a few meditations and then eventually I just kind of grounded into just this feeling of just being in that flow state. Right. And I wrote a manifesto. It was almost like a Jerry Maguire moment where it was like, oh, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And naturally, it's evolved over time, you know. But that state right there, if I could harness that, that is the ultimate high that I'm looking for all day. You know? So then my intellectual mind goes, oh, so you mean that if I practice meditation, I can get there? Then I buy in intellectually. I'm like, cool, I'm in. I'll go do that. I'll sit in the uncomfortable silence and quietness or not, right? Because I've learned from you too that like meditation doesn't always have to be about being in silence and and clearing your thoughts. It can be about all of the thoughts that are actually going through your head and just allowing them to be, you know? So there's a lot lot going on in this brain right now, (laughs) but I'm absorbing. Well, anyone listening to this too, I mean, you're hearing your evolution and your awakening, not only in this episode, but in the episodes that you've been recording, which is one of the reasons why you had a resistance, you stalled out, you didn't start until you did. Now the conversations are different. The the consciousness shift on energies or on earth is different. Everything's different to that. But I just want to highlight that. But I want to show you and anyone else listening to this how that frequency shift happens. And something I learned from Wayne Dyer was when you get up between two and four in the morning and you're naturally up, that's your highest self asking you to wake up because it has a message to deliver. Now, what I'm about to share with you is something that might be really new to people. Depending on where you live, as much as we are all interconnected due to energy and frequency, depending on where you live is the behaviors of your ego. So you and I live in a place at specific standard time. When we get up, it's still dark here at three in the morning, as it would be anywhere. It's dark at three in the morning, where we live. Between that time, there's less of the third dimensional egotistical energy around you because most people are sleeping. And so they're actually in a conscious state. So when you get triggered to wake up at that time, you have a higher connection to your highest self, which is that flow state, that conscious connection. 
You have until about that 5.30 time period because then people around you in your area start turning on. Well, what starts turning on? The ego, the 3D, the frequency. And that's what actually stifles the connection to your higher self to you, which is why if you can get up in that earlier, also why people do that 5.30 a.m. wake up club or you see a lot of successful people getting up around 3 a.m., it's not because they're better than anyone. It's because that is the true flow state. There's less interference on the frequency of the outside external influences allowing you to actually be in flow, allowing you to hear that intuitive call. And that's something that's really new to people. It's like, oh, that kind of makes sense. As the world rises around me, the frequencies get more intense. It's like you're impacted by those every day. But back to what you said about meditation. Well, I can get behind it if you tell me meditation. Meditation is what allows you to control that frequency when you're in the uncontrollable frequency. Did you, I hope I said that properly. When you're in a, when you're in an awakening of a 5.36 a.m., everyone's starting to turn on in their fear-based doubting. The frequency is very stifling. It's very, like, I'm not, it's not high vibe. It's very low vibe. When you meditate, you allow your frequency to not become a match for that. When you meditate, your frequency does not become an attachment to everyone around you. And that's actually the benefit of it. Then you get to go along your day where everyone else's bullshit isn't impacting you as much. Is it still going to be there depending on the day? Yeah, but it's not impacting you as much because your actual vibration through frequency is allowing you to vibrate through the day differently than attaching to the masses that everyone is is feeling. That might kind of be a new aha for you as well, but that's really what's going on. No, it it makes sense. It really does. You know, it allows me to wrap my head around that. And um, I knew that our conversation would just kind of flow like this, which has been great. Um, but I, I, the other thing that comes to mind here too is this idea of like, as I choose to um, be in this flow state and to actually, you know, create these practices that allow me to be in that state more often, the people that I choose to be around naturally changes because I realize that like, this doesn't serve me. I can't, I just can't be around that right now. And then there's a, there's an element of, um, almost sadness that comes from it too, because sometimes it's like family and close friends that you just realize it's almost like I was referencing before of like seeing something so clearly for my clients and going like, how do you not see this? Just get up to this thing and look over this ledge right here and realizing like, oh, you can't force anybody to do these things, you know? But that's just a real, uh, you know, reflection piece that's coming up for me is, and I'm experiencing it right now is that there's people around me that I know won't be a part of this next journey with me. And there's part of it that makes me sad because it's family. It's people that you've spent. um, And that's not to say that I'm cutting off family, please. If family's watching, I'm not cutting anybody off. I'm just realizing that like I spent so much time around people like you that we can have these conversations and it's just a naturally flowing conversation. And I've had my podcast as a conduit to it. That's what I really love about what I'm doing here. And then I have other conversations where it just, it isn't the same thing. And I'd want to do less of that. And I want to do more of this. And that's real. The way I would expand on that is the idea that I recognize I can't bring everyone with me or certain people I wish I could bring with me just won't be a part of my next part of my journey. We can't throw that out there because that is not an expansive energy. Is there people right now that can't be a part of your journey moving forward or what you perceive to be? Yeah. 
Absolutely. But what I've come to learn and what you will come to learn and anyone listening to this is when you evolve and you become your best self, it will naturally unconsciously start to irritate other people. And that person has every opportunity to ascend and to evolve and to allow that moment where you you disconnected unconsciously or quietly or, or very verbally, however anyone does that, you allow that person an opportunity to realize but if you hold any sort of belief that no matter what you do, this person can't comes with you, you're hurting them versus, you know what, I'm just going to become my best version of myself. And I hope those people that aren't here with me right now come back on my bus with me, get back on my boat with me. And all I'm going to do is be my best self and not worry about or think about if they're coming with me or not. I just know that when I ascend, the people that maybe I thought couldn't, actually will. And I know that from personal experience. And it's a very beautiful moment to experience someone that you thought you had to disconnect and cut out of your life because vibrationally and energetically they weren't there. For a couple years later, them to come back as a more evolved, better person because you stood in your power that I'm just going to be the best version of me and I'm going to hold space for you to also be the best. But if you don't, that's cool. But I will still hold space that you can rise as well. That's super helpful to hear you say that out loud. And it actually ties into the one other thing I was going to mention about that, that interview that we both listened to that Aubrey did with um, Charles Eisenstein, Eisenstein. He told a story at the end of that, that um, I won't even ruin for everybody. You should go and listen to it. Actually, I'll link it up in the show notes on this one. But when I listened to that, I actually, um, it's kind of the same um, context to what you're saying here. You know, it's, uh, there is an out of worldly experience or a, a world that exists that we can't see. We just, there's certain, there's, there's something where you know that you're a part of, or you're from that space, you know? And when you come into this human world, it's going to be messy and met with resistance and all these things. And, and I've resisted that for the sake of, um, just wanting to be like everybody else and fit in and not rustle too many feathers. And that, that was the story I'd tell myself, you know, and now I realized, and that was a piece of like almost like the permission as was what you just said to just be that greatest version of myself and know that it's going to cause some resistance. It's going to cause some friendships to temporarily or maybe permanently end. But all I can do is, is just be my truth. And that actually grounds me quite well to go like, okay, I'll lean into this, you know? Whereas me before would be like, don't want to rustle too many feathers. And what do my parents think if I said that out loud in a podcast, you know? And, and the world that's happening around us is accelerating all of this stuff to basically go, have those conversations, you know, like it doesn't matter. As soon as you open your mouth about one thing, you're going to have polarizing opinions on both sides. So you may as well lean in and jump into that water now. That's how I'm choosing to see it anyways, you know, because otherwise you could look at the world right now and just think what a chaotic shit show. But there's a reason for all of this stuff. It's all happening on purpose. It's an awakening. It's the conscious awakening. It's an awakening. And so when you look at anything in an experience of growth in the physical life, your life, my life, anyone listening to this life, 
it's tumultuous. It's intense. It's scary. It's dark. You face things you don't want to see. Look at collectively what we've been experiencing for almost two years. We've been experiencing growth. We've been experiencing a shift, an awakening, and it has to be hardcore. It's hardcore. But it will get better. It's the law of the universe. Mm-hmm. Whatever we're in now, we will receive the opposite of. And it might take years and decades, but we will get there. And this conversation and my personal shift and your personal shift and everyone's personal shift listening to this of just becoming more curious and aware is, is helping that. It's helping everyone around us who are incapable. Incapable is not the right word, but unaware of what's beyond them. Just a few of us need to see what's beyond them for them to start to see what's within them. Love it. Three questions left for you here, Danielle. I want to end us off in, with my, uh, well, you can't see them very well. I got to get some good lights to shine on the wall, but I got my new canvas. I they look great. Can you kind of see it? Yeah. So it's. Yeah. Be grateful. Be curious. Be brave. Exactly. So on that note, what is one thing you're most grateful for right now? I say this time and time again to myself in my journal. I'm so grateful that I consistently show up for myself. When it's really difficult day in and day out, I'm so grateful that I just show up that day I don't want to, or I show up and move through that fear. I am so grateful for that behavior and skill set and habit I've created for myself. Love it. What is one thing you're most curious about and wanting to explore further? I am most curious about how I personally can service the awakening. And I'm so curious as to the books that come by my path and the conversations and the experiences. I'm so awake to what's happening in my life and not looking at anything as a negative. I'm just curious about it, even though it might seem negative or like something is going wrong. I just become curious about it. That's what I'm being curious about right now. Perfect. And what is one thing that scares you right now that you know you need to meet with bravery? Putting myself out there saying that I know the same wisdom as Buddha and so do you. And I just want to help you realize it. And that is where I'm at, but I am working through it every day. That's the human in you. And we'll still love you even in your human form here and all of our Because we're all the same at the end of the day, right? We all have the opportunity to ascend into this um, greatest version of ourselves individually. And it's conversations like this that will be a part of that and all the other things that we'll create individually and collectively going forward here. So, um, yeah, just want to acknowledge you for, for that because this is an evolving thing. It's never an absolute certainty. This is the end this is the fun part is like, imagine what our conversation is going to be like in six months from now. Whew. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I don't think either one of us could have ever realized when we did this in February that I was going to dissolve that company completely and move forward. So a lot can happen in a short time period. If you just go for it, put your blinders on and focus. Absolutely. So on that note, how do people find out about what you're up to now? Because naturally, many of the links that I have in the previous episode are now no longer, which we sh- I should support you on, like, let's get those redirected to your, you know, just the SEO and the 301 redirect side of things. Let me let me serve you on that stuff. But how can people find you and and see what you're up to? So primarily, I'd say on the spiritualroom.co, which is my website, not .com, but .co. 
as well is on YouTube. I have the Spiritual Room YouTube, which is just rolling out. And I also have a podcast. So the Spiritual Show podcast, which is the podcast that I host for the Spiritual Room. And if anyone wanted to connect with me on an individual level, LinkedIn is still probably the best platform. But I would love for people to start to follow me on the Spiritual Room and see how it serves your awakening and ascension journey on the new earth. Amazing. All right. Well, thanks so much for doing this, Danielle. Can't wait for the next experience transmission that we do together. There's many, many every single week. So thanks for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for having me back on Trevor. It's been fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Trevor Turnbull show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you now until next time. Remember today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious and be brave. 